Good news. My new book is finally here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth, and you can order it now wherever books are sold. I wrote this book after the five-year span between 2016 and 2020 when I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked literally every area of my life, my health, relationships, money, career, social status, and even my very sense of self. And along the way, I really got to experience firsthand how dysfunctional our culture's relationship is to loss. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success and shackled with isolation and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and our evolution not only as individuals, but also as a collective. So this book expands the conversation around loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we definitely cover those too, in order to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. So whether you're experiencing hardship now, or know you have past hurts that are holding you back in certain ways and still need healing, this book is here to support you. It's also a great book to gift to clients, family members, friends, just other women in your world who are going through a challenging time. It will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. So within the loving pages of this book, you will have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. It was not a joy to live this journey, but it really was a joy to write it. And you can find it again, wherever books are sold and the audio version of the book is available as well. If you would like some gifts to accompany you on your heartbreak journey, you can get those at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. Those are free. Whenever you order books, you can just send in your invoice or your receipt and we'll send you those accompanying gifts. Enjoy. Hello, welcome to the Sarah Avon Stover podcast, a space to come home to your inner wisdom. I'm Sarah, best-selling author and teacher of women's yoga, meditation, and spirituality. And this podcast was born out of my own desire to hear Dharma talks, which are what the Buddhist tradition calls wisdom teachings, through the distinct lens and voice of the sacred feminine. Here, I'll share these very talks, along with rich conversations about all different facets of the feminine spiritual journey. But above all, I created this because I believe that when a woman gets still and quiet enough to hear her inner wisdom, she's able to live her true path in the world. I hope this podcast helps you do just this. I'm happy you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, hello. Welcome to February and welcome to another conversation that I hope you'll find useful, inspiring, supportive. And just in time for Valentine's Day, this one is aimed to help us all have more fulfilling, connected relationships, not just intimate relationships, but friendships, our relationships with family members, colleagues, 
uh, by turning towards conflict rather than running away from it, which is just what our natural inclination tends to be most of the time as human beings. And in today's conversation, I'm welcoming our very first male guest. And during the interview, I share why I'm shifting towards having more mixed genders on the podcast from now on, not just women. So stay tuned for that. And this man is Jason Gaddis. He's a fellow Boulderite whom I've known here in Colorado for many years. And he'll be speaking to us primarily about his new book. It's a wonderful book, Getting to Zero, How to Work Through Conflict in Your High Stakes Relationships. This book now has a home on my bookcase, and it's one I'm going to refer back to often especially to revisit and refine my own conflict resolution skills, whether that be deactivating a trigger within myself before having an important conversation or how to navigate actually having that conversation with another. Jason and I talk about many things, including just the main thing that has been helping him the most throughout the pandemic ways to navigate a fallout that I had with a friend recently, what the price tag of avoiding conflict is, and it's quite high, a few essential skills you can start incorporating right away, and much more. For those of you who don't know him, Jason is an author, relationship expert, and coach who teaches people the one class they didn't get in school, which is how to do relationships. Jason leads one of the most in-depth and comprehensive relationship education programs and trains relationship coaches all over the world. He has thousands of fans and followers across multiple channels and is the host of the Relationship School podcast with over 5 million downloads and over 330 episodes. His first book, Getting to Zero, came out in October 2021. And before we get into this conversation with Jason, I wanted to be sure to let you know the good news that registration for a few of my longtime beloved programs are now open throughout the month of February. So if you are looking for more kindred community, inspiration, mentorship, and accountability to bring your life into greater alignment, make your spiritual practice the foundation of your whole life, and enhance your health, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, Women's House of Wisdom offers all of this and more. It's a refuge for belonging healing, and becoming in this increasingly uncertain world. A nine-month online feminine spiritual practice community, Women's House of Wisdom integrates women's yin and slow flow yoga, Buddhist meditation, ancient wisdom teachings, and an evidence-based psychotherapeutic modality called internal family systems. All of these will empower you to abide in your deepest center through all the ups and downs of life. And we're having many of those these days. 
With monthly women's yoga and meditation retreats and internal family systems therapy groups, as well as a community of like-minded women from around the world, you'll receive the fierce and loving support you need to move through this time of mass metamorphosis with more grace, connection, and access to your inner ground. And for spiritually oriented female entrepreneurs and professionals, I am offering an inner circle to Women's House of Wisdom. This is my version of a mastermind, and it's called the Wisdom Circle and integrates authentic, sustainable business principles along with feminine spiritual practice and psychological growth. And I'm offering this because I found that growing a business and really just sharing my gifts with the world takes all three of these. It takes rooting into my spiritual practice and allowing my offerings to stem from this deep inner wellspring. And given that my career path has been one of the most potent pathways to my own personal development, Internal Family Systems, also known as IFS, has and continues to play a crucial role in helping to heal and clear the blocks that come up along the way, like blocks like my inner critic, imposter syndrome, overwhelm, pushing too hard, self-doubt, the perfectionist, and more. But those are, those are the big ones. And last, when you join the Lux version of either of these programs, either Women's House of Wisdom or the Wisdom Circle, you'll also be able to join my annual Women's Insight Retreat. And this is taking place this year in the south of France at the end of August. And what a beautiful place to be at the most beautiful time of year to be there. I've been offering versions of this retreat around the world for the past 20 years, and it's always a highlight of women's years and lives. So the Lux membership of both Women's House of Wisdom and the Wisdom Circle gives you full access to those programs, plus a space at the retreat for $20, or not $20, $200. That's a big difference. $200 off the regular tuition. And this is available until March 1st. This discount is available until March 1st. So I've been leading versions of both of these programs under former names like The Red Tent and The She School for over a decade as well. And both of them run from March to November. You can learn more about them at womenshouseofwisdom.com. That's womenshouseofwisdom.com. So if you're longing for support with your spiritual practice and enhancing your overall health along the way, I hope you'll join us in March. And now let's get into my conversation with Jason Gaddis. Welcome, Jason. Good to have you. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. And I forgot to mention this to you in our conversation before we hit record, but you're actually the first man that I've had on the podcast and I've been doing this oh for God. six and a half years. So wow, I'm so yeah. honored. <laughs> I uh, I take that seriously then. Thank you. That's cool. Yeah. What what so, had you like, I guess why now or something? Um you know I feel like the pendulum has kind of swung and there's so much now available for women. 
And that wasn't the case when I first started doing this work. And I mm-hmm. want to bring more men's voices into the conversation as well. Mm. Um, but still highlight, highlighting more, um, I guess the best word to say is like feminine aspects of mm-hmm. the spiritual and life journey. And definitely relationship is included in that. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm psyched and grateful to be here. So we always start our conversations with a personal check-in. So could you share with us uh, first where you're joining us from today and how you're doing right now at the levels of body, heart, and mind? Yeah, I'm calling in from Boulder, Colorado. And uh, it's another gorgeous day here. Uh, I am body, heart, mind, body good. I had a private yoga instructor work me this morning. So I'm feeling um, newly aligned um, and feeling good there. And heart feeling, yeah, connected to myself and available. Mind, um, yeah, semi-sharp. Not 100%, but semi-sharp. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, another question I've been asking throughout the pandemic because it's just helpful for me to hear and for listeners too, is now we're almost two years into this process of COVID and obviously a a new stage in that with this new variant. And what are like practices, activities, mindsets, anything that has been resourcing you throughout this time and also just particularly maybe during this phase right now, what's been helpful for you, for your marriage, for your family? Yeah. Connection is, is always the biggest resource for me. And that's connecting to myself um, and connecting to my wife and kids. When I'm connected, it feels like I'm plugged in and I just feel it kind of doesn't matter what's going on. As long as I'm plugged in, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> when I'm unplugged because of a fight with my partner or because I'm just super in my head and disconnected from my experience, then life feels a little more challenging to me. And so two main ways I, I connect are getting outside and nature and walking usually is really, really good for me. Um, and sometimes listening to music, sometimes not. And then... Um, just relationship, like finding my way back into myself through my partnership. Um, yeah. Or play with my children. I, I relate to that, but I haven't named that myself as an important resource, even though it just feels so obvious that mm. I like, I like that um, metaphor of feeling plugged in when you feel yeah. connected. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about today, how to get, plug back in to that connection mm-hmm. when there's an unplugging yep. and particularly in terms of talking about your new book, uh, which I read recently, it's really wonderful, really helpful. It's called getting to zero, how to work through conflict in your high stakes relationship. So first I think it would be helpful and we just spoke about it a little bit, but if you can define for us, in more depth, what is conflict actually? What what are you talking about when you talk about conflict? Yeah, it's uh, it's 
like transformative energy, first of all, but I, on a more practical level, it's a rupture, a disconnection or an unresolved issue between two people is how I define it. Mm -hmm. And it's that idea that it's transformative energy, I think is really um, a helpful reframe because I know so many of us, myself included, and you, you write about this in the book and your past, you've been very conflict adverse. I mean, I'm much less oh, yeah. now than I was in the past, but it's still, yeah. still when oh, conflict yeah. arises, it's like just the first, the first inclination is like, Oh God, I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> Completely. And this oh, yeah. is about heading into it and finding yeah. that transformative energy. Yeah. We're turning toward it. There's so much juice if we can turn toward it and not run and not do our pattern and it's hard. And what's the good news about conflict is, um, no matter how badly it goes, we can always clean it up later. Right. That's a helpful thing to, to remember. And so the next term I think it'd be helpful to define before we go deeper into this is what is zero? So what do you mean when you say getting to zero? Yeah. We spoke about it a little earlier in a different version, which is just getting plugged back in. It's feeling good again with the people we care most about and zero if we think of zero on a zero to 10 scale, zero is our baseline that I, I want everybody to be operating at. It's where we feel resource connected to ourselves, connected to the people we care most about. And anything above that is we start to disconnect. So it could be a one, it could be a seven. And we go more into our hindbrain, the higher up the number we go, and the less effective we are in communication. So it's in our best interest to live our life from as close to zero as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, um, for myself when I'm in that space of disconnection, especially with my partner, if we've had an argument or something, it's like the quality of my life just deteriorates <laughs> during that oh, period yeah. of time. I'm with you. Yeah. It's so, it's so impactful for me when I'm disconnected from either myself or my partner. It, it's just amazing how much steeper life feels to me. Mm-hmm. So you, you've trained and worked as a psychotherapist, you're founder of the Relationship School and have a podcast about relationships and you know, have written a book about relationships. How is it, why is it that this topic of relationships has become to be a central focus for you in your life and in your career? Yeah. Well, I was so incompetent here for so many years. That's the first answer is I had like anyone probably had a lot of what we could call relational injuries growing up uh, in my family and the, on the playground, um, you know, in high school onward. And I, I often just figured it was the other people that were the problem. And I, I really was caught in that kind of paradigm. And it wasn't until I had many failed relationships at age 29 when I was pretty tired of my pattern breaking up with another awesome woman. And I was like, I think I'm the problem here. And it really finally rang true that like, I, I'm the one common denominator. I'm creating some kind of mess here. I don't know what I'm doing wrong and I feel bad about it. I feel shame about it. And I want to do something about it. I want it to change. So I, you know, I, I said, all right, if I can control this, then wow, that's, there's something empowering about not blaming other people and finally pointing the finger at myself, not, not in a shaming way, but just in a responsible way. 
And then I started working on myself and went to graduate school and studied psychology. And I zeroed in on relationships because it was my biggest pain point. And it seemed to me, no matter who I was seeing, what their mental health challenges were, it seemed that relationship and relationship traumas and injuries were kind of the common theme in every person that came into my office. Uh, and then I started working with couples because that was, there was a lot of juice in that for me as well as like, it was so hard. And I started, you know, trying to figure out helping couples get through to the other side, get back to zero or back to a good place. And then I was in a new relationship with my now wife and we were figuring our thing out. So, you know, just kind of all just coalesced into this, like this big ball of relationship mush that I was trying to sort out. And, um, yeah, it's just what I take a stand for now. Cause I know if we can figure out this part of our life, then I think we can meet the other challenges a little better with a little more support. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's, that's not something that's highlighted as something that's important in our culture. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're experiencing so many of the challenges that we are because we haven't been taught how, how to have healthy relationships just across the spectrum, all different kinds, parents, children, friends, partners. And then the fabric of the society just gets more and more afraid as a result of that. Yeah. And then it's like me against the world or me against you. And now we're at odds and it's like, wait a minute, we, we should be coming together through adversity and figuring out how to solve these bigger problems like COVID or climate change or whatever battle we're wanting to fight. I think there's such power in coming together, but it seems it's hard right now. You know, like a lot of us understandably go into like a pro self position under stress. And then when, when we're in fear, it's like, how do I take care of myself? I, so I think it's, I think that's kind of a human thing. And um, to be more relationally focused, I think is, is better for everybody. If we, if we can learn how, and um, not all of us have a great experience there. So then it's, we go back into our pro self position. So, yeah. And so this, this kind of default position that we go into under stress of how can I take care of me? How can I get my needs met? That's something that you're countering in this book. And I love presenting the the concept of standing for three. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, thanks. Totally. So standing for three is, um, there's a way in which if we're in a great relationship, we can say I'm taking a stand for myself and I'm taking a stand for you. But there's something also additionally powerful if we can say I stand for us, for the relationship. And I like to use the metaphor of two boats. When we partner with someone out in the middle of the ocean called life, we tie our boats together and it's we don't understand early on how complicated it is actually to travel with a boatmate for a long time. <laughs> it's complicated. And it makes no sense to me that people partner and tie their boats together. And after a few years, they just go back to pro self, like, God, your boat and how you do your boat is really fucking annoying. Would you please stop that? You need to change. Instead of saying, wow, how do we travel as a team better? It seems like we're not doing a very good job of this. How do we take a stand for each other and ourselves? Because we don't want to lose ourselves in relationships because that's a lot of people's fear and experience is I have to give myself up to be with you. Um, but how can we also like stand for the boat we came in on here? That like if there's holes in the boat, we're, we're both going to take a stand for addressing that issue 
and getting back to a good place so that we can navigate all these gnarly storms coming our way and the sharks in the water and whatever else we have to navigate. So I invite people into a context, just take a stand for three, all three of you, you, them, and us. And that seems like it's like it calls on a lot of creativity at times because sometimes in partnership needs can be diametrically opposed. Yes. And it's like, okay, it you can seem like you're at a standstill and that if one person uh, honors the other person's needs, they're going to be sacrificing their own needs and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's this puzzle like, okay, well, how do we, how do we move forward from here? Still support each other and, and allow our relationship to flourish. Yeah, exactly. And people need to get bigger here. They just do. Cause most of us grew up in an experience in our family or in our early environment where that wasn't the culture. The culture was every person for themselves, or you give yourself up to help other people. We all got some relational blueprint download and then we play that out in our adult relationships. And and until we get into choice about that and we get some self-awareness online and go, Oh shit, I'm just kind of repeating the past here. Maybe I, maybe there are other options for me. Um, then we can choose. But a lot of people, you know, it's the water they're swimming in and they don't see it, right? And they just keep thinking this is the best relationships can be, which is sad. Do you have any examples from your students or clients or your own marriage where you've been in that place where it's like the boats are wanting to go in different directions or wanting, you know, wanting different trajectories, but you've still found a way to move together? Yeah. Uh, the first thing came to mind was my wife and I early on with our kids, we have two kids. Um, they, we were both co-parenting. So I was his home and raising the kids as much as she was. We were both working about equal time. So it was kind of a 50, 50 child rearing situation. I loved it cause I loved being a stay at home dad. And, and at a certain point when my kids were around five, my son, I think was around five. We, I got clear that I wanted to work more and it began to create a big rift in like, wait, I want to go left and you want to go right. You want to, you know, keep going this way. And how are we going to deal? And it was a hard month or so of us navigating that. Uh, But we got through it and we figured out, okay, um, this is, if one person is really firmly saying, I want to do this, like, I wasn't like saying, or else there was no threats on the table. It was just like, you know, my heart, my being wants to do this. How would that be? Um, you know, we, we accommodate and we've always done that together. It's like, how do we make room for the other person to be fully expressed and be who they are? And that's a hard, that is a hard practice sometimes because it looks and appears like it's at the expense of me, right? If, if you're going to get empowered over there and go do your thing, what about me? And you know, what is the cost here? But again, in a considerate standing for three type of partnership, everybody gets to have their needs met and we get to be ourselves. No one has to abandon themselves or give themselves up. And we have to be a team about that, though. We have to learn how to do that. Right. And it's also, I'm hearing, it's also like playing for the long view. Yeah. Like maybe it looks like the boats are swaying more towards the direction that you're wanting to row in at that particular right. time, but down the line, it might be shifting back towards your wife's direction or. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. View. And, and, and again, like I, I sort of operate with this paradigm of 
if I, I get to be exactly who I'm here to be so long as, <laughs> this is like the asterisk, so long as she feels considered and cared about, right? It's, it's the moment when I start going too self-focused or too work-focused or too whatever-focused. You know, if she starts losing that experience of, I don't, I'm starting to not feel considered over here, it's like, boom, it's on the table, we're talking about it, could turn into a fight, it often doesn't. It turns into more me being like maybe going into shame or some sort of defensiveness or something. And then, and then we move through it and it's like, Oh, right. Okay. I was, yeah, you're right. I am kind of self-focused. I'm stressed and I'm, it's all about me right now. And I'm, I'm starting to get that, that has a very big impact on you. And again, we want to you know, be really considerate of other people's, our partners, especially his feelings, right. And what their experience is. Yeah, and that, that opens up room for curiosity. Well, if that's the case, if you're not feeling considered, what would need to happen here in order for you to, to feel more considered? Totally. And for me, it's usually a behavior shift. It's like just getting present, getting out of my, like dealing with my stress, getting back in my body, turning toward my partner, being like, okay, I'm here now. <laughs> I, I, I went away and I'm here. So you talk about the price tag of avoiding conflict. And I think I heard this through Tim Ferriss at some point. I don't know if he said this or he was quoting someone else. I'm going to paraphrase it, but just that the quality of one's life is determined by the number of uncomfortable conversations they're willing to have. Mm. And so many of us are just not willing to have the uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. And, uh, can you talk to us about what is the price tag of avoiding conflict and also the flip side of that? Like what's the return on investment when we, when we lean into it? Yeah. Great. Well, I think it's probably a good moment to introduce this concept I call two shitty choices. So let's say you and I are in a conflict, Sarah, and I'm, um, I'm withholding something and I'm not telling the truth. and I'm kind of harboring a little bit of resentment. I'm starting to feel bad and, it's impacting our connection. Well, I've got two choices. I can speak up or I can keep quiet, right? Speaking up is choice A. It's like, okay, I'm going to tell my truth, tell my truth, tell the truth, have the difficult conversation. But the risk there is you might go away. You might not want to hang out with me. You might not want to be my friend again. You might judge me and cut me out of your life. That's like worst case, right? If I actually tell the truth here. But then if I don't tell the truth and I keep stuffing it, I start to lose my integrity and my connection with myself. So that's choice B. I call it business as usual or betray yourself. So A is kind of bad. I don't like that. I don't want to lose Sarah, but I don't want to lose myself. B is bad. So I stay stuck in kind of indecision, which eventually leads towards just B as avoiding, placating, pretending it's not there, minimizing, et cetera. And then I might get sick. I might develop all kinds of weird <laughs> symptoms. So the, the price tag is, is big. If we avoid, we could lose the other person. We could lose ourselves. Um, you know, most of us fear losing relationship. We're social mammals. We don't like that. But the ROI that I stand to gain and you stand to gain, if I tell the truth and, and we, maybe it turns into a conflict, but it go, we get on the other side of it. We use these tools and it, we figure it out. We become closer. We're more connected we're respecting each other's truth. And we're saying, Hey, we take a stand for like, it's okay to be honest here. And man, that feels really good. Even though in the, it might be a little crunchy getting there. Yeah. 
it reminds me of um, Riso Menekom in his book, My Grandmother's Hands. He talks yeah. about, in the context of racialized trauma, but clean pain versus dirty pain. Right. And how when that clean pain is is like turning into that choice of just speaking your truth and feeling the repercussions of that versus avoiding doing that. Yeah. And that dirty pain can kind of just like linger and fester and yeah. start to come out yeah. in all sorts of ways. Yeah. Love that book and Resma. Yeah. So it's exactly like those two shitty choices. There's pain either way. Which pain do I choose? I'd rather have the pain of having spoken my truth and been authentic and real with you and, and ha give you a chance to react and be yourself. Cause I'm robbing you of the opportunity to grow every time I withhold my truth. So I, I'm definitely for the clean pain. There's going to be pain either way though. I want to take a short break from today's conversation to invite you to a free workshop that I'm offering later this month in February. It's called becoming whole in 2022 healing brokenness, clearing blocks, and clarifying your vision for work and life. It's happening on February 22nd at noon Denver time. And not to worry, as always, if you can't attend live, you will receive the recording afterward. And I'm offering this because usually by this time of year, the momentum of new, the new year starts to dwindle, and it can be a helpful time to re-clarify recommit to refine our visions for the year. So we'll do this together during this free workshop. And I'll also lead you through an exercise to uncover greater clarity, as well as to notice what blocks have been standing in your way of realizing this vision, conscious and unconscious blocks, using the internal family systems or IFS therapeutic model. And this is an evidence-based model of psychotherapy that's sweeping the world and really endorsed by people like Tim Ferriss, Gabby Bernstein, Gwyneth Paltrow, and more. And personally, IFS has transformed and improved my life immeasurably, as it has for many of my private clients and students. And I invite you to come and experience it for yourself. You can learn more and join us at becomingwholeifs.com. That's becomingwholeifs.com. And now back to today's conversation. So I wasn't planning on asking you this, but I actually, I have a recent conflict that I want to just oh, yeah, share please. with you and get your perspective on because I'm... Yeah. I'm taking a pause to see, to feel into how to proceed. Okay. So it's with someone who is or was somewhat of a friend, not a close friend. So there wasn't like a huge history. Mm -hmm. And she reached out to me asking for something at a time when I had a very full plate. And I kindly via an email set a, set a boundary around that. And then I didn't yeah. hear anything from her. And when things started to settle down a little bit, I felt like, okay, maybe that didn't land very well. Mm -hmm. So I followed up and I said, you know, I haven't heard from you and I'm, I'm, I'm getting the sense that maybe my reply didn't land well. 
is there something that we need to talk about here? And in response, I got an email with just a lot of blame Mm -hmm. and um, what I perceived as unkindness. Yeah. And so I tried to set up a time to talk. I didn't, I told her, I don't like to talk about these things via email. I'd rather do it voice to voice. And we set up a time to talk. Uh And I offered some days and times and she wrote back and she said, she's not interested in that. And she wishes me all the best. And so I'm left with like, well, one, I know that this is not the kind of relationship that I want to have in my life, but also feeling like I didn't, I didn't get to use my voice to even say where I was coming from. Right. And just feeling that conflict of like, okay, just letting it go, but also resolving in myself that I didn't get to share what was true for me. Right. It's still inside, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a bummer uh, for you to feel not known in your experience, not having a chance to, you know, say your piece or speak up, right? Because this person in a way is cutting you off, right? They're saying, no, thanks. I'm complete. I'll, I'll drop this big bomb on you via email and then I'm complete. Yeah. Which is, is there, like you're saying, it's a relationship you're not probably wanting to pursue anymore because that's not really fair. That's not how you, how we do things here in Sarah's world. Right. It's like, Hey, if we're going to have a relationship, then we, we, I have a thing I call stay in relationship. You stay in relationship, even though it's hard. Um, and we work through it. So had this been a friend that made the friend cut, um, then they would have said, okay, this is really hard for me. I'm up for that because I care about you and I care about us and that hurt and I'm, I'm totally down to meet with you. All right. So I appreciate your attempts to reach out and own and say, hey, what, obviously this didn't land for you well. And I think you handled it well. And unfortunately you're in a, this is where we feel a little powerless, right? To get to completion because the other person doesn't give us a chance. Right, right. And I thought it was great. Uh, I just want to really the role modeling here for your listeners around taking it out of email into a, vo- at least a voice to voice, you know, call if even better is in person or via zoom, because so much gets left out when we can't hear tone of voice and facial cues and all that stuff. So I loved that because that's a boundary that I, um, I take a stand for with everybody is like, look, don't ever do conflict over email or text, take it to the phone or FaceTime or whatever. So I love that. I think that's also wise. Yeah, I think that's really important because otherwise it can just start spiraling out of control. Yeah, and you could have, you know, if you want to do a gotcha thing, you could have said, okay, fine, I'm going to now let you have it or speak my truth via email. Now you're in this and then she's going to write back whatever, maybe or never write back, but hey, it's like, well, at least I got it off my chest. And it's like, well, you don't even know if she read it and is this really for yourself or like, what is this for? And But if there's incompletion is, is kind of like toward the end of the book, I talk about this. It's like, how do we get complete when someone won't let us, right? We, they're, they're not staying in a relationship. They, they are done with us. That's harder. Uh, but one of my favorite exercises is to stack up benefits to this happening and drawbacks to, if it didn't happen, just to neutralize my mind about it, to cognitively try on an exercise where I can see how this is actually serving me and my highest values, uh, that it's happening this way. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. So like in this example that I'm sharing with you, it helps me to more deeply clarify, clarify how I do relationships and in this case, particularly friendships. Yeah, it clarifies, it, it clarifies your friend circle. It helps you protect your time. Uh, it deepens your relationship to yourself and your self-respect. You know, we could make a pretty long list of how this is actually helpful. It's like maybe this was this person was kind of a loose end that wasn't being dealt with. And well, guess what? It got dealt with. Right. <laughs> maybe not in the way you wanted to, but... But it got dealt with. It got dealt with. And, and it again, it clarifies like who we want in our life, right? You want to be with people who want to stay in a relationship with you. That's my guess. So one of the things that can be so challenging about conflict is how triggered we get. I mean, like with that email that I got, it was very triggering and I'm sure she was triggered when she, when she sent it to me. And this brings online what you call the, the backseat of the brain. And you also share, um, tools to engage with when you're in a triggered state mm-hmm. with yourself and with another. Can you, can you speak to us about that? Because I know for me, when I get triggered, especially with my partner, it's like, it's hard to get back into the front seat of my yeah, brain, right. like the more rational yeah. part of myself. Yeah, me too. And so how, how can we make that shift when, when there's a lot of activation? Yeah. So the sciencey part of the book is important because if we understand how the human nervous system and brain works, then we, we cannot make ourselves wrong that we're wired the way we're wired, you know? So I, I think it's important just for people to go, right. I'm a social mammal. I get triggered by facial cues, tone of voice, people going away, people getting too close to me and that's normal and that's okay. Right. So I just, I think it's that context is very important, that kind of framework. And then we can get specific tools of like, okay, well, given that I'm like this and I react this way with you or with the person's way of being, how do I, how do I deal? How do I handle myself and how do I handle them? Um, and one of my favorite ways to handle myself is to do two things, um, to get space, to just breathe and do what I call a nester meditation. Um, And it's just a very simple two minute, five minute meditation where I'm just eyes open or closed. I can go inside and check in. It's kind of a check-in. If you want, I can go through that number, uh, that sort of acronym if you want quickly, if you want, or I can just, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like a self-regulation thing. It's like, can I, you know, my reactions now when my wife and I are in a fight are first and foremost, my responsibility now to deal with. And I'd love her help. I'm, I don't take the view that it's all my problem and it's up to me and tough shit and you need to go in your corner, I'll go in my corner. I'm I'm more attachment relationally focused now where it's like, okay, I, it's up to me to deal with my triggers and my wife can help by behaving in a kind way, right? By staying in the room, by listening. By, she can do lots of things actually that accelerate the self-regulation process. So... Nestor is number, we just pick a number zero to 10. How triggered am I? Um, 10 being very triggered, zero being great. I'm perfect. I'm good. Um, and then we do uh, E is emotion, just label an emotion, sad, mad, glad, scared. S is sensation, um, tingling in my chest, lower back pain, heat, you know, lump in my throat. Those kind of things are sensations. Thoughts is T. Um, what am I thinking about? You know, where's my mind racing off to right now? And then R is resource. Where do I just feel okay? 
you know, I've been on the planet for X amount of years. I'm probably okay somewhere in my experience. And so it can be hard to find the resource sometimes, but it's there. And it can be just our breath. It could be our feet on the ground, it could be our butt in the chair. And the nester at nest, it's like a nest. It's, we need to hold our experience and our experience is the egg. So we become a nest of our inner experience. And that's the point of this two minute, five minute exercise so that you can start to turn toward your activation, not run from it and look at your phone or Medicaid or, you know, grab the pint of Ben and Jerry's or whatever you do when you're triggered. It's just, just be with what's coming up. And that allows you to be even more uh, resourceful to your other person, the person that's you're in a snag with, because you're able to breathe through and be with your experience. Now I'm, I'm, can handle yours, right? And it is very hard. I don't get me wrong. I, I'm with you. This is difficult to do in the moment, but this is the kind of thing we want to do as soon as possible. Could be five minutes later, five hours later. It kind of doesn't matter. It's as soon as you're capable. This is going to help you get back in the front seat of your brain, back in the neocortex, where you're going to be um, able to say and do better things because you're rational and you're logical and you can kind of solve problems together. And once, once you're able to get back into that more resource state, still not at zero though, then you, you yep. can engage with your partner from that place. And there's also a number of practices that you share then at that point. Um, yeah. can you share with us maybe one or two key ones that you think are especially helpful for this process of getting back to zero once, sure. once you're more regulated. Yeah. Yeah. Even if I'm a five, I can still probably talk and communicate. So excellent. Um, there's two paths we have. One is speaking and one is listening. So on the speaking side, we could say things like, I, I'm sorry, or my bad. I raised my voice. I was an asshole there. I was a jerk. I did that thing again, didn't I? And then we can begin to empathize. What was that like for you? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I see that. So the speaking is one direction we could go um, or listening. I prefer to do the listening thing first. I always recommend listening, which is, look, I'm now a little more here and I'd love to know what your experience was or what happened for you. And even if they're coming at me with blame, I'm not going to defend myself. Uh, I have a practice I call LUFU. It stands for listen until they feel understood, L-U-F-U. Uh, and that's just a good reminder, like, oh, acronyms are fairly easy to remember when I'm at a five on the scale of zero to 10. I, okay, Lou, right, what does that stand for again? Listen until they feel understood. Okay. And I make that commitment inside and I just, I'm going to listen until you feel understood. And then ideally, if we're in a mutual relationship, they then do their best to listen to my side, right? And that can help us make progress. And a couple basic steps in Lufu are we want to validate their experience. We want to empathize with their experience. Um, we want to reflect back what we're getting. We want to make sure we're with them. Stay curious, right? Uh, all of this stuff is going to go a long way to reducing the charge and having them get out of their scared animal and help them come back into their heart. Oh, right. I do care about you. I care about us. Wait a minute. What, what just happened there? Yeah. And what would you say, I mean, you shared so many wonderful practices and tools in this book and in your own marriage where you've traversed a lot of years together, parented together, grown careers together. How, what do you, what are you finding that's like most helpful for you in your marriage? 
yeah, right now? Pro- like, like right the now, most relevant tools for you now. Yeah, we're so the whole book essentially is about how to get back to a good place. It's it's another word for that is repair. How do we repair things when we're disconnected and we mess up? And that's really what this book is about. And so my wife and I have a pretty much all of our attention is on that because we still like all of us get into snags. It's the look on the face. It's the tone of voice. It's all of a sudden I get prickly and defensive and then she's triggered and now shut down and now we're in this thing. And it's like, wait, how did we get here? So it's how do we get back to a good place? And for me with her, the biggest lever I can do with her is empathy. And that's the hardest thing for me to do in those moments. And it's the the thing that moves it the fastest and farthest for us, me to her. Her to me, it's a little different. Um, I like empathy too, but that doesn't do it as much as maybe little comments like I'm you know, I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here or hand on my shoulder, my leg. That shit goes a long way for me. So we learn over the years, we've, we continue to learn. We're like students of each other's nervous system. Okay. What is the thing that I can do that helps you? And it, it goes beyond love languages. Love languages are a nice, um, kind of broad strokes, but it's everybody's nervous systems are a lot more complicated than that. So it's like, how do I nuance the words of affirmation or how do I nuance my physical proximity in my, the way I'm holding my body that could help their nervous system. Right. So we have a lot of attention on that right now. Yeah. I appreciate how you articulate that. What settles each of you is different and how that's a learning process Yeah, to really discover like, what, what is it that is actually going to soothe and settle you in those moments? Completely. Yeah. So shifting gears a little bit, I'm curious about your writing process, just as a fellow writer and author, Mm. I'm always just interested to hear how, how that is for other people. So how, how was this process of writing this book? Like, did you have a particular schedule or writing practice that you followed? Did you find it easy, hard combination? Yeah, all of that. Yes. (laughs) Um, Well, I love to write. So I, first and foremost, I, I wanted to write this book. I got really clear. I had people be like, dude, you need to hire a ghostwriter and you don't have to deal with it. You're a business owner. Like it's so much faster. And I was like, uh, no, I was like, there's too many frames in here that I've been teaching students for years that I have to, I only me can teach them. And I, I, I love to write. So why would I farm that out? So I got clear. I'm going to write this book cover to cover the whole thing. I'll have editors of course, but I, I'm going to write it that was very, very fulfilling. And that was an amazing choice on my part because I, I just trust myself there. I was just, I knew like I got to do this. So I feel really good about it. Um, and in terms of the process, the book proposal was the hardest part. I got very jammed up there. I went in one direction cause I was trying to like perform for the agent and the, you know, trying to get a book deal. And I was like, totally in a strategy. It was so shitty. I was just like, and then I was like, wait a minute. I thank God my agent was like, uh, what's going on here? You know? And I was like, and then my wife started to read and she's like, dude. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I, I had to like completely pivot the content. Um, and once I got clear, Oh, conflict, right. And I'm writing a broad book to, to as many people as possible. It's not a marriage book. It's not a, 
you know, um, boundary book. It's a conf- book on the hardest part of relationships. I wanted to write about that. And cause I think that would have the biggest impact. So once I got clear on that, the proposal was a little easier. And then I had been teaching this content for years. So all I needed to do was organize it and put it all together. And it was pretty fast for me. It was like six months. And I took Mondays and Fridays off from my business. I was like, no meetings, no coaching clients, no student calls. I'm working three days a week until I get this thing done. Mm-hmm. And um, that was very helpful. I was very boundaried. I wouldn't look at, I wouldn't even give myself permission to like look in Slack or Instagram until like four o'clock. I was like, no Instagram. No, <laughs> I just was like, Ugh. and I give myself like an 85% of the time. I was really solid with my boundaries and yeah, that was kind of my journey. I like that schedule, that Monday to Friday thing. It's a, it just feels integrated. Hmm. That Give I, me the weekends too, if I needed them, yeah, you know, yeah. like I mean, weekends kind of family time. But if, as I got closer, my wife was like, dude, if you need to take a couple hours or whatever, Saturday or Sunday, it's fine. And we'd, we'd agree. And some, some days that happened. And, um, but yeah, it was good for me, uh, for whatever reason that, that cadence worked. And how about writing the proposal? Did you do a similar schedule or how did, no. how did you write that? I was a little disorganized and kind of all over the place there, just reacting. And um, I didn't have a plan really. And I was just kind of finding any spare moment to, you know, write. And um, I was also out of practice. I don't know about you, Sarah, but with, with, I was a blogger many years ago and I think you were too, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I got out of blogging when I got into webinars and marketing and business. And I, I sort of left my writing chops at the door. So I was pretty rusty when it came to the proposal. I felt rusty. Like, Oh God, I, I, I know how to write a tweet. <laughs> right. It's a different, <laughs> but that's thing. very different than 10 pages around a concept. Like, Oh damn. And I love that writing, but it, I just, I was out of practice. So that was a factor too. Right. Yeah. I've always found that I write better in more of a retreat Mm. type setup where I don't have not dealing with the world, but it's very hard to run a business (laughs) in that way. So I'm, I just started a new book. Now I'm working on the proposal now and waking up early in the morning to do it before work. Yeah. Um, But I'm also, but I'm, I'm liking what you're saying about the Monday to Fridays. Like once I get deeper in, Mm-hmm. to just block off those days. That way I can have more of an integrated writing and time for business, clients, et cetera. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, I like that. And I did do, I will say, because you mentioned retreat, I did do two writing retreats that were like one overnight. It's really hard for me to pull myself away from my family. And so it's edgy for me to like go get an Airbnb in the mountains and just you know, do kind of a, a writing retreat. I think I did one two-nighter and one one-nighter. And uh, that was also helpful. It wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't as, you know, the kind of fantasy of like a writing retreat. You're going to go off and you're going to be all creative. And sometimes it's not. You're like just it's stuck not. for a day or two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not as glamorous as it sounds or right. relaxing as it sounds. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So in your book, you also write about your spiritual practice and path, particularly with Buddhism, how is that, how, how is your spiritual path and do you have a spiritual practice now? 
Gosh, that's good. Uh, these days, it's mostly my relationship and my family. Um, that's my spiritual domain. Um, mostly because it's the ROI on that is so much bigger than me sitting for 20 minutes a day. Uh, and I've, I've come in and out of meditation practice. Still a huge fan of meditation. Uh, I do yoga five, six days a week in the mornings for 30 to 60 minutes. Um, mostly as a physical, um, not only embodiment, but I'm, I'm trying to, at my age, I'm trying to learn to move my body more effectively because I just have some bad patterns set up. So it's, that's what yoga is for. And meditation, I'd like to be doing a little more if I'm honest. Um, but yeah, I get, I get the most growth and the most um, reflection and immediate ways of working with my experience in my marriage and with my kids. Yeah, the relationship is really the ultimate spiritual path. It's for me, yeah. Yeah, really it sounds like for you too. Or... Yeah, I, I have a sitting practice and a yoga practice. and But I also have more time than you. I don't have children. Mm. Well, you're um, still as busy as me, but yeah. Yeah, and relationship is um, just a really key aspect of that. As, yeah. as is work. You know, I, I find... Totally. Running a business teaching, oh, that's also a huge yeah. path of personal development. Yeah, that's a good point. Like just being an entrepreneur, I, I've gotten worked, especially like once I kind of figured my marriage out, like, yes, we have challenges. Yes, we have problems. Yes, we have conflict. But we we have our systems pretty dialed so that we we can move through stuff fairly quickly. But business is like this. It seems like, uh, I mean, yeah, I just get schooled around every corner. Like, oh, I don't know that. Oh, I just got work there. Oh, I thought I knew what I was doing, and now I don't. And <laughs> very yeah. humbling. And just lots of curveballs. Yeah, mm-hmm. lots of curveballs. So with your work, what's what's next for you now that this book is out and that project is behind you? What's What's next? Well, I definitely have another book or 10 in me. I just don't know what it is yet, and I'm not going to... Well, I don't know. As I say this out loud, I'm kind of busting myself. I was just going to say, uh, I'm not going to write until I get clear. And then I was like, wait a minute. But sometimes the writing process itself is what reveals, you know, what I should write about next. So I think more than anything, I, I want to get back in the practice of writing. I'm not there. I'm not doing that. Um, well, I mostly, there's a couple of big things happening in our business right now that we're trying to launch a few new courses and products and programs. And then simultaneously, I'm trying to uh, take another little step outside of the business so that I can hand it more to my team so that I can do the creative things and do what I do best and teach and speak and write. And um, yeah, so we're, Ellen and I, my wife and I are putting out a relationship security class in February, which I feel really excited about. That's just a deep dive on attachment theory and science and how do we work with our nervous systems as a team? And so I'm, I'm really pumped about that. And we we're collaborating more. We also teach a couples coaching training. So we train coaches to work with couples like in our sort of paradigm and our model. And that's both challenging and also super rewarding. Um, Cause I typically, typically do things by myself. So it's been edgy and fun to, and uncomfortable to try to collaborate with her and, uh, we're figuring it out, you know, and it's, I think it's, it's as Annie Lala said to me years ago, like 
collaborations like always harder, but it's better. The, the end result is usually better than what I can do alone. And I agree with that. What do you feel like have been some of the biggest challenges with collaborating and, and rewards? Cause I, I agree. Be, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I have, you know, I, I just nerd out on, on all these little distinctions I've been in the weeds about for years. And, um, I have taught, you know, as a therapist and then as a coach and as an entrepreneur, I, I do so much on my own in a way. Right. And I don't, I'm not like, Hey honey, what do you think of this? And uh, once in a while, but, uh, usually it's just easier, faster. I used to think better to just do it by myself. Right. And so when we started to collaborate, I, her ideas were different than mine. And I was like, no, this is, this is better. I've been doing this for it. And she's like, no, well, hold on. I, I don't feel considered over here. What the hell dude. And then we would fight and get into a big thing about um, how we're going to say it. And she felt, you know, she'd feel dismissed or so I had to do a lot of work to kind of make room and also get out of my own ego centric. I'm so cool thing. Um, and it's been since we, I feel like our first year of this couple's training a year and a half ago when we started planning it, we, we planned it. We, I used to teach it by myself and then she came in and now we teach it and it's infinitely a better product because she, we're doing it together and she's bringing all her ridiculous amount of experience. Uh, but again, it's just crunchy, you know, trying to find common ground early on. And then it started to click and we we're like, okay, I think this is better. And yeah, I like how you're saying it. And actually I used to say it this way forever, but I like how you're saying it even better. So let's do it that way. You know, it's cool. And then there was just shit that came through both of us that we didn't even, it was like, whoa, that was fun. And and we, you know, maybe like you and Chris, we nerd out on this shit like all day. So mm-hmm. it, at a certain point, it's really fun for us to like, that's all we talk about is relationships. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it sounds like um, you've found more of your groove together. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's a good Collaboration. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. As we start to, as we start to wrap up, I want to ask you, um, I think it was, might've been in your book or when I heard you speak at the Boulder bookstore in the fall, you asked us to do some sort of a, like a conflict inventory to just consider the lingering conflicts in our lives, things that we weren't dealing with. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to invite listeners to do something similar Great. to, to, to even just write a list mm-hmm. of just things you haven't been dealing with. And then if you could guide, like what's, what's the next step when, yeah, once you, once you've actually identified the conflicts that you're avoiding, what's, what, what, what do you do next? Great. Well, uh, first I would ask people to draw, draw like a rectangle just on a piece of paper that are listening um, vertical rectangle and with four lines. So there's five rows and in the top row, you're going to put the person's name, a person's name, who you, you have an unresolved issue with or some big or small, a little bit of tension, a lot of tension. And it could be from high school, 20 years ago. It could be from yesterday, a coworker or a partner, but just put their name at the top. Um, and that zeroes us in on, okay, I want to focus on uh, at least working on a unresolved issue with one person. We can start with just one person. If we have a, some of us have a pile, there's, there's quite a list going of unresolved shit with people. Just start with one person 
And you're certainly welcome to chip away and make the list, of course, but I, I want people to feel successful. So one person, and then right below their name, you're going to put um, what they did. What did they do? And so this could be, they cheated on me. They lied to me. They um, walked away from me. They cut me out of their life. They, whatever that is. And then you're going to put the feeling that brings up in you, the impact on you. So what feeling word I, makes me angry. I feel sad. I feel hurt. I feel scared. I'm resentful. Write that in the third row. In the fourth row, you're going to write how triggered you are when you think about it either now or then. So zero to 10 again, same scale. How bad is this? Is this like a three or is it actually pretty impactful? It's like a seven. Like this is a big deal. This is a big, that this is unresolved. Like it, I can't sleep at night. You know, when I think of this person, my nervous system gets jacked. Like I'm activated just thinking about them. That's when we know it's a bigger deal. And then the line, the row below that, how long has this been going on? How many years has this been going on? Um, you know, I'm always surprised when I ask this at workshops, like some people are like 20 years, 30 years. I'm just like, whoa, what we tolerate, you know? Um, so there's that. That's just a conflict box that you can start with as it's just a self-awareness practice. And then you can start to go, what am I going to do about that? What's your, you know, maybe you want to add another row and what's your first action step? Um, well, I want to journal about it. I want to go to therapy about it. I want to um, write them an email. Um, so think about an action step, but then there's two more rows I'd like people to add, which is um, maybe before the action, perhaps, which is, okay, what, now let's list what you did. What did you do to them? And this is sometimes more, a little more confronting for people. Like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> And I'm like, no, you did something. <laughs> Maybe you didn't return the text. Maybe you, you know, had a little snarky job that, you know, and if you're lost, just ask them. They'll tell you what you did. <laughs> Write that in that line, in that row. That's, that'd be row six. And then in row seven, what do you imagine the impact on them was or is, given that you did that thing? And the reason we do this is to flex our empathy muscles. And so that if you do send them an email or talk to them, or, and I don't recommend doing this over email, by the way, when, it, when you send an email, it's more like what Sarah modeled earlier, which is like, hey, I don't want to talk about this over email, but can we talk about our relationship on a Zoom call or a FaceTime, or can you get, go on a walk with me? That's how we want to initiate this type of interaction. Um, and then the, the first thing we say is we lead with the empathy, like ownership and empathy. Those are those last two rows. I, hey, friend, I know I was kind of a jerk 10 years ago and I did that thing. And if I'm you, that would have really sucked. That would have really hurt my feelings. And I can imagine for you that not only hurt your feelings, but you felt really scared and really dropped and really alone. And I just wanted to own that. That's how we start this type of conversation. And some people you know, the worst people are going to gaslight you, stonewall you, and you can't do anything. But so you're partially doing this for yourself more than for them or for the relationship because they might not want a relationship with you. And we have to respect that, uh, like Sarah's friend. But um, lead with some kind of ownership and empathy. And I, I just think that moves the needle more than anything else. Very helpful. Yeah, thanks for spelling that out for us. Yeah. And that's also in the book. If you want the more detailed version, there's a few more steps too. Great. Um, one last question, Jason. What is your current growing edge, either in relationship or just in life? 
Uh, there's a lot, but the, the one at the top is probably prioritizing myself and um, getting really honest about what I want to be doing with my time. I'm really in that one. I'm in deep dialogue with myself around that. And what would prioritizing yourself more look like for you during this season of your life? Yeah. Um, everything from, you know, like I'm, I, I can do basic priority self stuff, like do yoga in the morning or go on a walk or exercise. You know, I can do that level, but I, the next level for me is like, Oh, um, take the day off, take myself on a walk, um, go on a walk every day and not every other day. Um, you know, that kind of take myself on an overnight up in the mountains and have a pretty open ended thing where there's no big, I got to do it, this massive to-do list on my agenda, you know, this agenda based retreat. I'm like, no, no, no. What if I did a really spacious retreat? Um, you know, that, that, those kind of things would be prioritizing myself. Mm-hmm. That's really hard for me. Yeah. It sounds like it's taking that self-care to the next level and just giving it even yeah. more breathing room, more space and yeah. schedule in your life. Totally. So how can listeners learn more about you? How can they find your book, find out about these new programs you're offering this year? Yeah, cool. The If you want the sort of um, dopamine bite-sized version, you can follow me on Instagram at Jason Gaddis. That's J-A-Y-S-O-N G-A-D-D-I-S. I'm active there a lot. Um, if you want sort of a more robust education, then you can certainly listen to our podcast, the Relationship School podcast. Uh, and, the, and just relationshipschool.com is where all of our courses and other resources are. Great. And I'll put all those links in the show notes. Cool. So thank, thank you for your time, Jason. Thanks for this incredible body of work that you're creating just to help us all have better relationships and in turn, better lives. Really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thanks, Sarah, for such thoughtful questions and uh, just hanging with me here and supporting the, uh, you know, people getting more empowered and inspired in their relational life. Yeah, and I wish you all the best this year with your work and prioritizing yourself. Yeah, thanks. You too. Thank you so much for joining me and for taking this time out for yourself. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd be very grateful if you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast. That way other women who might enjoy it can better find it. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support.